Hey there, this is Terry Cowley, weekday breakfast presenter on 1FM Shepparton. Thanks for checking out this podcast. It was recorded live as part of The Brecky Show, which you can catch 6 to 9am Monday to Friday. Now, author and historian Danielle Scrimshaw is coming to Shepparton next week to talk about her recently published book, She and Her Pretty Friend. It's all about the hidden history of women who love women, and it is part of Shepparton's, I think it's a 10-day long this year, out in the Open Festival, which celebrates all things LGBTIQA+. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. And great to have you here next week as part of the Out in the Open Festival, which we're very proud of. It's a fantastic festival. I think it's been going for more than 20 years now. Yeah, I'm very excited to attend and it'll be my first year attending the Out in the Open Festival and I think possibly my first trip to Shepparton. I think <gasps> I passed through as a child. So Shock I'm, horror. I'm, I know I'm like doubly excited to <laughs> Shepherd in next week. Well, I hope you get an opportunity to stay and take in some of our attractions and our yes. great places and natural environment. Now, this is a big topic that you've taken on. Uh, throughout history, women's relationships have often been misrepresented. Tell us about that and how you have come to write this book now and if you think it's good timing. Yeah, it was a big project and I started writing researching and writing it about five years ago when I was at uni. Um, I came to the topic because I I recently came out as bisexual and then I was trying to look for stories in the past, um, particularly about queer women. And I found that the queer queer women's history in Australia was kind of limited to um, older academic books that were out of date and academic journals that you needed to like subscribe to to access and I only had that access because I was a university student so I wanted to contribute to that research and try and um, curate everything into one place so that you could just have like this one accessible book so yeah, I, it began as my honours thesis at university and then after I graduated, I continued researching and collecting all these notes on, on queer women in Australia and it's now become a book, which is amazing. Um, and I think it is still relevant to be published in 2023, especially because we don't really have a, a book like this already that just exclusively focuses on queer women throughout Australia. That is, that uh, is kind of surprising. It is really surprising, like when you consider that it is the 2020s, and yeah. So I think the the question of is it relevant is like, well, we haven't had it previously, so I think it is pretty relevant. So it's a bit of a retelling of Australian history, and one of the things you explore is how colonisation altered ideas of sexuality. Can you expand on that? I mean, I mean, I guess when I think about that, what comes to mind is you know, a lack of women in those times in Australia, or a lack of white women anyway. Yeah, that's right. So um, when England colonised Australia um, back in 1788, I hope I know my dates. There's a little joke that historians don't remember dates very well. But um, so when England um, colonised Australia, they brought along all of their laws and including the Buggery Act, which was uh, the criminalisation of homosexuality, and it wasn't just Australia, this is all throughout like the Asia Pacific as well, that they brought these laws. 
and so suddenly homosexuality and other other acts were were a crime and although queer women weren't specifically um, criminalized against because there was this belief that if you criminalized lesbianism then more people would know about it and then therefore practice lesbianism so it wasn't actually criminalized but it was still uh, persecuted against as um, you know disobedience and that poor behavior and unsociable behavior so that had its effect on First Nations cultures and everything and the way that the way that um, homophobia was embedded into Australia's narrative and everything so with so it just changed a lot of the it changed a lot of like the cultural the cultural um, practices and everything through this embedded um, homophobia throughout the laws and society. So much of when you think about, I guess, the more traditional kind of accounts of those colonial periods, there's a real sort of muscular um, maleness to it. And and this, this really kind of turns it on its head, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think because we've had we have a lot of records of um queer men throughout the past because of all like the convict the convict records and also because um because homosexuality was criminalized for men, there are a lot of those criminal records available in the archive. Whereas for women it's a little bit it's more it's more difficult because you don't have those criminal records but you also don't have really any record and you have so you have to rely on like personal archives like diaries and letters and just kind of hearsay, like rumours that were in the papers or whatever. And it's still difficult to kind of look at look at a pair of women who lived lived with um, lived with each other for twenty, thirty, fifty years, are buried together, and say, "Oh, I think that they were queer," because other people will say, "Well, no, they were just good friends, or they lived they lived together as sisters, and and what have you." So. It's all about trying to have a different perspective and think of it through a queer lens because if you're relying so much on evidence of like a sexual relationship, you're not going to get that and then you're going to have a very reduced queer history for women. I can sense your frustration at historians insisting that these weren't romantic relationships. However, I know that you've you've always uh, you have in the past said that putting labels on people who can no longer speak for themselves can be problematic as well. Yeah, that's true, and that's just because like those labels, not all of the labels that we have access to now existed back in the nineteenth century or even the twentieth century, and. I think we're lucky in that way because we can navigate our sexualities um, so fluidly and easily and a label will be available for anyone. But back in the 19th century, you barely had the label of lesbian. It was more like invert and other um, offensive language. And so I used the umbrella term as queer because I didn't want to um, necessarily label anyone as a lesbian or a bisexual because it, I think it was more just that these the women that I was researching were displaying were displaying like behaviors and relationships that I, that could have been 
classified as queer. Could have been more than roommates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, certainly in your work, it's not just history that can be re- reassessed through a queer lens, but popular culture. And I know that you've looked into the, the movie Flashdance and reading what you wrote about it, it, it oh, wow, I, I'm seeing it all in a whole new light now. Yeah, that's such a that's such a throwback for me. I wrote that article in Overland a few years ago, and yeah, it's just because I I watched Flashdance as a as a like as a young teenager, and I loved it. And then rewatching it in my adulthood, I was just like, oh, there are like some there are some queer elements to it. And then I think I I read somewhere that the protagonist was originally written as being bisexual or. And possi- I I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So I think, and, and of course, is it was it Jennifer Beale who played the lead role in that film? In in the L word. No, I was going to say oh. in Flashdance, but I was just going to make Flash- I was just yeah. going to make that leap to the L word. Of course, well, she did then yeah. star in the this the lesbian series, the L word. That, so that's right. Yes, exactly. There you go. So it was Jennifer Beale's <laughs> Flash. Maybe it's all connected. So. Danielle, what can people expect from your talk next Thursday? So the talk is at Shepherd and Library next Thursday on the 16th, and it's an evening event. So I believe there will be some nibblies provided, and it will be an in-conversation with Bronwyn, the program manage- manager at Shepherd and Library. And I think we'll just be discussing sort of we'll be we'll be trying to tie it in with the festival's theme, which I believe is these are the days of our lives from the Queen song. And so we'll be discussing how queer history can be made and um continued through building that queer archive and looking back at some of my um experience with researching and writing She and her pretty friend. Okay, that's just a recap. Author and historian Danielle Scrimshaw, who we're talking to right now, she has recently published her book, She and Her Pretty Friend. She'll be in conversation at Shepparton Library next Thursday, the 16th of November, 7.30pm. Um, you can call them on 1300 374 765 to book in, or you can email shepparton at au. All the best with your talk Danielle, I'm sure it will go very well. Thank you so much, Terry. I'm looking forward to it. We've been speaking to Danielle Scrimshaw there. Very interesting lady. Some pretty heavy um, t- um, ideas, I suppose, for a public holiday, Melbourne Cup Day. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Very thought-provoking. Do you need it knocked over or smashed up? Keith McRae Demolitions are your demolition and environmental cleanup specialists. Equipped with EPA trucks and a mobile concrete crusher. They're also licensed asbestos removalists. Call into their yard where they stock a huge range of second-hand timber, steel, aluminium windows, all at super second-hand prices. Call Crowbar Demolitions today on 58299413. Sponsors of 1FM. Having trouble with your internet? Has the NBN failed you? Are you only able to get the slow satellite NBN with very limited data? Are you not able to get the NBN at all? Starlink is the answer. This is a standalone internet system that I personally use at home and have tested at speeds of over 250 megabytes a second. If you are fed up with slow, unreliable internet, then call us now and book a service call to see if Starlink is right for you. 
Jason's TV, 0403 688 1FM sponsor. Daryl here from Aussie Ag Supplies. Just a quick message, re-tractor parts for many brands of tractors. Most of you good listeners know the brands of parts we carry. Over the busy times ahead, if you need new or used tractor parts, call Aussie Ag. Our stocks are large, plus glass doors, etc. Our wrecking stock of tractors is growing along with used tractors and machinery. Call Daryl on 0428 235000. I'll repeat that, 0428 235000. The Marupna Golf Club, home to the Goulburn Valley's only full-length driving range, and it's open to the public seven days a week. Yep, that's right. You don't need to be a member to use the driving range. But with some of the best value-for-money golf memberships on offer, why not take the plunge and join with unlimited golf all year round? Come and meet our PGA pro, Ben Weatherly. Need a lesson? Yep, Ben's got you covered there too. You're welcome here at the Friendly Club. The Marupna Golf Club. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.